Hello. Hello. <laughs> Ranger's breathing real close to the camera, or whatever <laughs> the it is. Camera, the mic. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to Justifiable, guys. I know, we're inconsistent. Sue us. Don't do that. We don't have the legal funds for that. We have dog issues. Ranger, enough. Stop. Uh, so today we're doing a, an episode that we haven't done in a while. Ranger, don't you fucking dare touch my coffee. <laughs> oh. We're going back sometimes to our murder episodes, ma'am. The one where we just talk, you listen, one of us comments, you know, all that good stuff. Also, if you hear any, like... Sneezing, coughing, sniffling, all that. It's not corona. It's shedding season, and we have two dogs. Yeah. It's called allergies. So, you know, fair warning now. If you don't like that, you know, that really sucks. Wow, good warning. You should probably go to a different episode then. Yeah, well, no, I feel like several of our episodes, yeah. like, every time we get on to do one of these episodes, you're like, by the way, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we're just real inconsistent, okay? But, you know, I we make no promises. Life just gets away from us. Sometimes we don't have the energy or the time to do this. Yeah, and movies are just easier than researching. It takes, like, an hour to watch the movie, and then you're done. Yeah, it's pretty simple, but we are hopefully going to try to get to get our shit together to make some sort of... Effort in doing this more. Effort and schedule and... We do this because for, we we enjoy this. We enjoy yeah. doing this, so we want to do it more, and we want to do it for you guys because we know that you know some of you guys really enjoy this as well. So we do it for us, and we do it for you. And at the end of the day, we do it because we're quarantined. Just kidding. <laughs> How is quarantine, everybody? Are you guys finding a lot of new podcasts? Like, I don't know. I hope your quarantine's going really well. <laughs> I just want to date check this real fast. Episode whatever this is of Justifiable 2020 was going on where we were quarantined because it's of May COVID-19. 8th. It's a Friday. May 8th, Friday, 2020. 2020. <laughs> COVID-19, the gates have opened back up, you know. But only inside states. Only inside states, yeah. yeah. A lot of shit's still going on. We now have murder hornets. I have not yet seen one, but apparently it's happening. What more can 2020 throw at us? Oh, God. That's... I'm not oh, my God. Thank you. But... How dare you do that to us? Knock on glass, save your ass. <laughs> Ranger got real offended by that. Okay, anyways. So, I decided I wanted to do this episode because I was at work and I was watching the movie Veronica mm. with my coworker. And it is. We, by the way, because of this episode, we now need to watch that and do a movie episode over that. But can't. Isn't that the one that's only in Spanish? Uh, yeah. So, but it has subtitles. Forewarning for those who don't like reading subtitles, don't join us for that one. But it's a really great movie. And it was yes. <clears throat> so, but we were talking about it because. You know, she, my coworker was like, this is a really good movie. Like, I wonder if there's anything true about it. So we were looking it up, and it is based on a true story. And that led me to another story that I know about that we'll get to later. But, uh, so Veronica is based on the true story of a 15-year-old girl named Stefania Gutierrez Lazaro from Vallecas, a suburb in southern Madrid. 
Sorry if we butcher any names. Well, Listen. if she butchers, butchers <laughs> Bitches, if I bitches the name. the name up, I swear to God. No. It would be my stand. <laughs> Do I have a choice? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stefania was allegedly into the occult, although according to her parents, no more than any regular high school teenager. I feel like most regular high school teenagers are like, I want to fuck around with the Ouija board and then I'm done. And yep. then there are those that are into the occult, which is way different. Because it usually goes beyond a Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> this one did as well. So uh, they <laughs> believed you. she was just playing around with spooky stuff and didn't think something like a Ouija board could cause the damage it later seemed to. So in 1990, Stefania brought a Ouija board to school. She allegedly... So also in the movie, she went to like a school like a school of religion of some kind. Like yeah, there were nuns Catholic and everything school. around. It was a Catholic school. I have no idea if in real life that is the case. Actually, never mind, I do. It, it was. <laughs> never mind. I do know this. Yes. I researched this totally. Uh, so she allegedly wanted to reach her friend's ex-boyfriend who passed away after being involved in a motorcycle accident. Friends watched the process, but then a nun stopped the seance. The nun damaged the board, which some speculate caused a paranormal disruption. The nun was too late, however, to stop the possession that allegedly occurred right after. So, I mean, is that a thing if you break a Ouija board? I think, like, well, and I think part of it is that, you know, there are rules to a Ouija board that not everybody follows, which is dangerous. But one thing is you always want to, like, say goodbye and basically close your seance. Yeah, well, in watching the movie, they definitely didn't do that in the movie either. But I don't know if that was a part of the real life story. Well, and the thing is, is, like, you say that the nun stopped the seance, which that didn't mean that they properly closed it. That just means it was interrupted. So I could totally see that if that, you know, not necessarily, I guess, portal, but a best way to put it is, like, portal to the other side was open, and you don't close it, and then you kind of damage the only way to close it, I could see that happening. I just thought I'd ask you about it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Stefania's parents claimed that after she performed the seance, she began to hallucinate. According to the family, Stefania said that she saw dark figures walking through the house. She described the mysterious beings as evil, maintaining that they plagued her all night. She then began to have seizures. The seizures became full-on manic fits where she would bark at her siblings, but no one knew what to do. Her parents took her to multiple so, doctors do and specialists. bark, like, as in, like, yelling at them or, like, a dog barking at them <laughs> like barking at I them i would imagine somebody's not really good at it so there's like bark 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 i mean so like as far as i know it didn't specify whether she was like yelling at them or she was barking at them but the word bark makes me think that she was just making noise at them yeah not like yelling at them but making noise yeah it's just uh the comedic humor in me is like i just want to imagine somebody's like bark 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 bark, bark. <laughs> i am possessed bark <laughs> so Another thing that this reminds me of is that I think I had looked it up, but so Ouija boards don't work in the way that there is like a spirit in the room that touches the Ouija board, like the Ouija planchette, planchette. It's the thing of its slight possession that causes you to not have control over your movements, which I mean, you still have control, but it's faint enough that it it moves it through one of you. I believe that's what the research said. Mm -hmm. So, like, this is extremely plausible if that is the case. Oh. 
Well, her parents took her to multiple doctors and specialists, but no one could figure out what was wrong with her. She reportedly didn't have a mental problem, but it was obvious to professionals that Stefania wasn't well. So the story of Stefania's haunting was nothing like what happened in Veronica. So while the police arrived after a crazed 911 call in the film, it took over a year before the actual police became involved in the real case. Stefania's family didn't reach out until after she passed in 1991. So when the family brought the police to the apartment in Vieques, the authorities discovered a series of spooky happenings. When the police investigated, they claimed they heard a loud banging noise coming from an unoccupied area in the home. So this is also something that I found really amazing was that, you know, a lot of the times these cases are just called like hauntings. You know, people don't really believe in them because it was only the family or like, you know, people that uh, like ghost hunters or something that people are already speculative of but like police officers came to the house and witnessed these things happening i yeah i guess it's the thing that it it partially frustrates me that some people don't take it as seriously even if even if you don't believe in it it's obviously like serious to the people that you're talking to and so you should always be respectful and considerate of them because it's obviously like scaring them it's a big concern for them so you should just support them yeah. and not be worried about whether or not you really believe it yeah because well and it it partially frustrates me with the family i guess that they waited until after her passing as well as doctors because i if somebody is sitting there and having like manic episodes and that was cute ranger <laughs> and, and <laughs> he did a stretch it was cute like if they're doing if they're having manic episodes and they're barking at their siblings like, the thing is, is I can see, like, they're mentally, like, physically up in the brain area and, like, the hormones, there being nothing different. But I think you should obviously, like, be like, there is mentally something wrong, mm -hmm. but we just don't know what it is. So I think that was malpractice for a lot of doctors. Well, I think that's, <clears throat> that's what happened, though, is that they were like, we can't find anything wrong. Like, we can't treat her because we don't know what's wrong. We yeah. can't find anything. Yeah, I just still think it's it was unwise to say that there is nothing wrong versus, like, we have no fucking clue. Well, maybe they did say that, but that, how what I researched it was phrased was just yeah. like that. So. Um, so when the police investigated, they heard noises coming from unoccupied areas in the house. After that, they reported how a perfectly closed arm armoire became open in a sudden and totally unnatural way. So for all of those, will you tell them what the armoire is? An armoire is like a uh, standing piece of furniture that's kind of like cabinetry. So it can be shorter where it has like a rounded top that rolls or opens with doors. But so a lot of the time... Kind of, isn't it like a standalone closet kind of? Yeah, pretty much. An armoire is like a big closet. Mm -hmm. A big not-in-the-wall closet. Yep. So in the film, the girl passed away under extreme circumstances in three days, but Stefania's passing took over six months. After more than half a year of suffering from seizures and hallucinations, Stefania's life ended in August of 1991. Reportedly, she passed away while at the hospital and not at home like in the film. Stefania's parents don't know what happened to her, but they believe that her death had to do with the supernatural. <clears throat> I don't know what that means. I don't know why they wouldn't know what happened, but... So I don't know if that just means that she died suddenly from, like, unknown sources well, or, like... I feel like when they say they don't know what happened, usually when you tell someone, like, hey, my aunt died or, you know, whatever, you can say, like, oh, she died of 
lung cancer, she died of a heart attack, she died of a motorcycle accident, you know. You can usually say, like, oh, she died because of this. Whereas, they're like, we don't know how she died. It could have been, you know, sudden stop of the heart, you know, brain bleed, it could have been anything like that. But if there was nothing internally wrong that would have caused her, like, a young woman to die, then I that I could understand them saying, like, we, we have no idea what killed her. But it was probably paranormal. Well, they've never said that they explicitly believe a demon was released, but they think her passing was caused by something evil. So yeah. After Stefania's passing, the hauntings continued to torment her family for over a year. Gutierrez's parents claimed that after their daughter died, they didn't go a day without dark, ominous figures stomping through their home and slamming doors. They described how their appliances turned on and off without warning, and how inanimate objects would leap from shelves and move without interference. Members of the Gutierrez family also maintained how they could hear someone whispering to them in the middle of the night, and at times hear Stefania shrieking. That's gotta be really hard. Yeah. Like, as a whole family unit, and especially because, what, this lasted, what, over a year for them? Well, so they... When she was alive? They didn't see, as far as I know, they didn't see anything happening while she was alive. It was happening only to her. Mm. And then she died, and they stayed in the house for around a year, and it happened to them after she passed. Yeah, that's just, like, that's really like, oh, sad. Yeah, I mean, that has to be hard just hearing something, like, talking to you, but then hearing, like, your dead daughter, like, screaming somewhere in your house has got to be hard. Well, it's that, but just, like, I mean, all condolences to the family for having to go through that, because, like, just imagine, like, your daughter is obviously going through something. She's, you know, going through something that nobody can, like, help her through. You can't, nobody can, and then she dies, and for the next, like, six months to a year, you know, life is really, really shitty for paranormal reasons that you can't fit, fix. Well, that's really hard. Well, according to the Gutierrez family, one of the most terrifying things that happened after Stefania's death was the sudden appearance of a mass of shadow people. When Stefania was alive, she claimed that she was tormented by shadowy figures. They also maintained that Stefania's picture fell off an end table and simply began to smolder. When Stefania's picture ignited, Mr. and Mrs. Gutierrez knew they needed to contact the authorities. And this did happen in the film, too. Yes. So, one notable element of the police report is the fact that the apartment was a wreck, especially Stefania's room. Upon investigation, the officers discovered the family had left Stefania's decorations intact on the wall, but many of the posters had been clawed. According to the parents, anyone who went into the girl's room was subject to being pushed around by an unseen force. The officers also witnessed a crucifix on Stefania's wall move on its own until it snapped. They also saw a mysterious substance stuck to the furniture that appeared to be the brownish-red color of blood. In the police report, the scene was detailed as a situation of mystery and rarity. So this was another amazing thing was that this was all in a report. Like, they saw these things happen and reported it, and it's in a police file somewhere. I appreciate that they were completely honest. They weren't, like, they didn't try to, like, pin it on the family, that they're fucking crazy. They were like, we came in the house and this shit happened, and it was weird. Like, I saw a cross, like, snap before my eyes. This Well, and it, it actually affected some of the officers where they got sick, and they had to leave the house. Well, and it makes me wonder how all of these people are after it like after coming in contact and seeing that because imagine like you don't believe in the paranormal you go somewhere and you just watch this like cross vibrate until it snaps 
Well, and they said that the uh, brownish red stuff on the furniture, they saw it move, like, spread on the furniture. Like, I just, like, I, I wish there was, like, a report on, like, how these people were after finding this. Because I, I could imagine that would really fuck some people up. Mm-hmm. Like, mentally. Mentally? Mentally, <laughs> mentally physically, you know, what their faith was after that, you know. But it also makes me think, so isn't it that the family, weren't they, like, Catholic, and that's why she went to, like, a Catholic school? Oh, I don't know what religion they were. She just went to a religious school. That's Well, because my, I guess because I watched the movies, and I guess my own, like, personal thing is that if I thought something paranormal was happening, even though I'm not really religious myself, like, I would probably be like, can I get, like, a, can, like, a priest or, like, some, <laughs> somebody to, like, come help, because usually, like, if the doctors and authorities can't do anything, like, your next step is kind of a religious step, so it's just kind of, I guess, interesting to me that they didn't go that way. Like, well, I mean, apparently a nun sort of, like, caused this to happen. Maybe they just didn't think that they could help. Well, I mean... And anyways, when the family moved from their home, the haunting stopped. Well, yeah, usually if somebody dies in a home or anything, usually all that stuff gets linked to the home, not necessarily the family. Kind of like you, there are haunted houses that you could go in and experience a bunch of hauntings, but when you move, they stop. You know, a lot of haunting stuff can... Unless you've seen Sinister. Yes. <laughs> or, like, Insidious. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, I mean, or not Insidious, um... Paranormal activity. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> but, I mean, well, and that's like hauntings and possessions can be like toys, houses, people, bloodlines. So, I mean, I'm just interested that it also didn't attach to the family. And it was like, this is my house now. Well, I mean, they didn't fuck around with the Ouija board. Stefania did, so. Yeah, but that doesn't mean like most entities. Yeah, I I don't know. I, fi- I think it sort of makes sense. It makes sense, but part of it is just, like, it depends on what it actually was, which we'll never know, but... Yep. So, because of this story, and I I do want to say, too, so the director, I read a part on this as well, so the reason that the movie doesn't follow real life is because this story is really well-known in Spain, and a lot of people have taken the artistic liberty of, like, adding or taking away from things, and so... He actually made the movie to not follow the story. So, like, there are main plot points and things that do come about the same way. But otherwise, he purposely made it different. So, you know, don't be ragging on the movie because it's different than the story. It was meant to be that way. Uh, On the other hand, another movie that had a real-life story behind it is the what is it? The Exorcism of Emily Rose, I believe, is what the movie's called. But the real story behind her is Annalise and the last... So she's German. So the last name could be Michael, Michelle... Mitchell? Mitchell, or something like Michelle. Like, I don't... That's more Spanish, but... uh, So there's a number of ways you can say the last name. So for the sake of, like, uh, it being easy, I'm just gonna say... Uh, Michelle, like Annalise Michelle. So, Annalise Michelle grew up devoutly Catholic in Bavaria, West Germany, in the 1960s, where she attended Mass twice a week. 
So she grew up in Germany? Yes. Well, she lived in Germany all her life. Okay. She was born, raised, lived. And she went to Mass, which is Catholic, I think? Yes, I believe. When Annalise was 16, she suddenly blacked out at school and began walking around dazed. Though Annalise did not remember the event, her friends and family said she was in a trance-like state. A year later, Annalise experienced a similar occurrence where she woke up in a trance and wet her bed. She also had a series of convulsions. Sounds like a seizure. Yes. Annalise visited a neurologist who diagnosed her with temporal lobe epilepsy, a disorder that causes seizures, loss of memory, and experiencing visual and auditory hallucinations. So after her diagnosis, Annalise began taking medication for her epilepsy. However, the drugs she was given failed to help her, and as the year progressed, her condition began to deteriorate. She began to believe that she was possessed by a demon and that she needed to find a solution outside of medicine. So this was in 1973. She began to see the face of the devil wherever she went and said she heard demons whispering in her ears. When she heard demons telling her she was damned and would rot in hell while she was praying, she concluded that the devil must be possessing her. So this story to me, the the first couple of times that I've heard this story, because I have heard it a couple of times, it definitely kind of seemed like possession of some kind was taking place you know, something weird was going on. But then while researching uh, today about this case with the temporal epilepsy that she had, it seems to me that she was just sick. Yeah. As you were reading that, I was going to say a lot of it once, you know, the doctor said she's going to have, you know, visual and auditory hallucinations, you know, and this is the same with some, schizophrenic people too is that like when you hear and you see things you know it's really hard to believe that it's not real and a lot of that also can come with like paranoia and so it's it's very easy to see why she thought she was possessed you know when you're hearing things you didn't before you know you're seeing things it's really hard to believe that it's not real and it's not happening you know outside of your body Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just makes me sad that she kind of ter- was terrified in, like, the last bits of her life. But it, I was, agree. it was definitely her epilepsy. So Annalise sought out priests to help her with her demonic possession, but all the clergy, clergy, clergy rejected her request, saying that she should seek medical help and that they needed the permission of a bishop anyways. So, at this point, Annalise's delusions had become extreme. Believing she was possessed, she ripped the clothes off her body, compulsively performed up to 400 squats a day, <laughs> crawled, under, <laughs> crawled under a table, and barked like a dog. She also ate spiders and coal, bit the head off of a dead bird, and licked her own urine from the floor. This, it's really interesting what the mind can trick you into doing. First of all, her thighs had to be ripped as shit. <laughs> Yeah, 400 squats a day. And, you know, I think part of, and I think this is just being a person, I think part of the thing is once you convince yourself of something, it's a lot easier to do things you wouldn't normally do. And this is the thing of, like, people who are on drugs, people with mental illnesses, physical illnesses, you know, the saying is once you acknowledge something, it gets worse. And that's for paranormal, medical, physical, mental, emotional, you know, 
And I guess one thing to think about is, have you guys ever known that you're sick, but never... Holy Jesus, the mailman scared the shit out of me. <laughs> but never, like, admitted to yourself that you're sick. And then once you say, yeah, I'm sick, I've got strep, or I've got, like, a stomach flu or something, it's gotten ten times worse. So I think that once she told herself that she was possessed and all of these things, I think her mental state with the epilepsy got worse. Could be, yeah. And so I think that's why it was a lot easier for her to, I guess, do these things and convince herself that this was either helping and or what would happen if she was possessed. Well, finally, she and her mother found a priest... Ernst Alt, who believed in her possession. He stated that she didn't look like an epileptic in later court documents. I love that I could just look at, like, he just looks at somebody and he's like, you're not epileptic. But you're like, possessed. This makes sense. It's like, I don't go out around walking down the street like, you're not depressed. You just, you don't look depressed. You don't look sad. <laughs> so, like, wow. Alt petitioned the local bishop, Bishop Joseph Stangle, who eventually approved the request and granted a local priest, Arnold Rentz, permission to perform an exorcism, but ordered that it be carried out in total secret. So over the next 10 months, following the bishop's approval, Alton Rentz conducted 67 exorcisms, lasting up to four hours on the young woman. And so this is not the person who asked the priest and, like, sought out the priest, uh, Ernest Alt. It's a different guy doing no, all these. No, Ernst and another priest. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's Alt and Renz. So it's it's Arnold, Renz, and Ernst Alt are both performing the exorcisms. And they did several recordings of it. And I will say the voice that she has is freaking freaky as shit. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, and I guess this is also because people don't have the mental capacity like, we only use, I think it's, like, 10%, 10 to 12% of our brain power. So, <laughs> a lot of the times, I think that once we... Ranger. <laughs> once we, you know, whether it's possession, it's something mentally or physically changes, so does, like, the things we're able to do. So, I definitely... Open up your mind and you can do anything. I mean, it's very true. A lot of people believe that if we use our, like, our total brain capacity, and we used 100% of our brain, we would probably be able to levitate things and talk telepathically. And a lot of people do believe that because we're... What we can do now at 10%, now imagine that tenfold. I could know all the languages. You could know all the languages, and I totally believe that we are, our voices can go higher than we allow them to, and they can go lower than we allow them to. But that's also, like, you could technically bite your finger off like you are eating a carrot, but your brain stops you from doing so. So if your mind was mentally altered, I could totally believe that you could alter your voice to a point of, like, you know, demonic sounding... Well, I mean, I think it totally sounds like she could be doing it. I just, it just sounds weird. It's very weird, but it's also like, side note, I've heard something like that happen and it sounded like possession and I'll have to tell you about it later because it's not something that I want to talk about here. Okay. So through the sessions, Annalise revealed that she believed she was possessed by five demons. 
Lucifer, Cain, Judas Iscariot, Adolf Hitler, and Nero. <laughs> so, it's the thing of, I wonder if she looked these up, because... Well, so, a part of it was that the, I think it was... Because I'm pretty sure these are all, like, the worst things you could be possessed by. Well, no, Judas Iscariot was a, um... Uh, a part of a church, like a, of a church, mm-hmm. and she had no way of knowing that information. He had done some bad things in the church, and he was a priest and was kicked out. And uh, at the time, I guess she apparently had no way of knowing who that was. But all of the other ones are like Adolf Hitler. That, that's a little weird. Yeah, it just makes me think of like the people who, like when they were younger, wanted to be special, so they were like. I am the child of Poseidon and Zeus and Hades and, like, all these other things. And you're like, dude. First of all, that's not possible. <laughs> Second I mean, of they're all, gods. Maybe it is. Yeah, but it's one of those that they wanted to be so special. Yeah, that, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know. That's just what it reminds me of. Well, she broke the bones and ripped the tendons in her knees from continually kneeling in prayer. That's, first of all... That's gotta be really fucking, like, even if, like, you kneel in prayer or something, I don't know what you'd have to do to break the fucking tendons and bones in your knees from (laughs) kneeling. She did it a lot, I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, over the ten months, Annalise was frequently restrained so the priest could conduct exorcism rites. She slowly stopped eating, and she eventually died of malnutrition and dehydration on July 1st, 1976. She was 23 years old at the time. So her parents and the two priests who conducted the exorcism were charged with negligent homicide. They came before the court and even used a recording of the exorcism to try to justify their actions. The two priests were found uh, guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence and were sentenced to six months in jail, which they did not serve. Uh, They were pardoned from that and three years probation. The parents were exempted from any punishment as they had suffered enough. But it was a big thing at the time because everybody sort of believed that Annalise could have lived had they not done the exorcisms and stuff, had they, like, taken her to a hospital and she had been, like, forced to eat and blah 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 Been intubated. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's... That's the end of that story. It's a little sad. It's sad because I definitely, I guess, in today's... Even looking at it as, like, a today thing... Like, in the mindset, I guess, of today, it does not seem at all like possession. Yeah, with the temporal, like, lobe epilepsy, it just seems like all of it was explained so nicely. Like, what would have caused the possession, like, it it just seems like it was her epilepsy, and it just made her believe that she was being possessed. Well, and that's the thing of, like, a lot of the time, people that have psychosis, schizophrenia, you know, they see demons and shadow people and they hear things and can be forced to believe that they're possessed or damned or whatever. It's just their Basically, the first couple priests did it right. They said, you know, no, you need to get medical help. We have to ask a bishop anyways for permission. We can't just do this. You need to make sure that you're like, like, all, everything is medically cleared. There's no reason this could be happening medically. And then we can talk. That's actually how it is now. 
Yeah. Is that every, like you have to be tested by a whole bunch of different doctors, make sure there's nothing physically and mentally wrong with you, neurologically, like anything like that, and before then, an exorcism can even be brought up to be done. An option. Yeah. Which I guess part of it is that it is malpractice on the first priest's alt, because he just looked at her and was like, you don't look epileptic. But it's Let's like, do this. But the doctors figured it out. Like, they did the test. They figured well, out. Well, and the thing, too, was that her mom was going with it. Her mom thought <clears throat> that she was possessed by something. Like, her mom was trying to help her find a priest. <clears throat> I don't know if, if really her mom thought she was possessed or if her mom was like, well, maybe it'll help with her delusions if we, get, if we get her exercised and then she believes that that's the but, end of it. Yeah. But you can only take that to the first exorcism. After the first one... It kind of seemed like her mom was going with it and believed it. Because, like, 67 of those. Well, Also, I watched one of the tapes, and uh, so it's translated. And literally the entire time, the priest is just, like, pretty much, like, by the power vested in me, by these three people, you will tell the truth. And she's just like, no, I will not. And yeah. that he basically repeated that line like over and over and over again until she like gave some form of information, and then he would like question that a little bit. And then when she started ranting again, he was like, "By the power vested in me by these three people, you'll tell the truth." Yeah. And it's like lies. <laughs> it just it did not seem good, yeah, at all. When you were like watching, like if you had told me that it was like it wasn't a real priest, I would have believed you, because that just seemed kind of, like... Yeah. I figured it would be more praying of, like, God, please save this person, like, banish this demon from inside of them, or something like that. Not, no, like, like, I demand you to... <laughs> I demand you to tell the truth. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at that point, she was just being taken Granted, advantage of. We are, like, I know nothing of the church, or I exorcisms and how that works so it could like they they might have to investigate first to be able to like expel whatever is possessing them that might be a thing i have no idea i'm just saying it sounded really weird like reading it through it just didn't seem right yeah i don't know i feel like this poor mentally you know not even mentally ill. No, she like, was mentally ill. Well, she mentally had, ill, yeah. but, like, also physically she, she ill. She had a brain damage that well, caused her to be mentally ill. Yeah. They were side effects. Which makes me wonder, did the doctor be like, by the way, she has epilepsy, like, she'll have hallucinations and shit and hear things. And her mom was like, nah, this is possession. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, and I think that's, like, I get it. You want to believe that, like, it's not your child just, like, Nobody wants to believe eating that spiders, is drinking just, urine, like, doing this out of their own volition. But well, I mean, at that point, I don't think it was their own volition. Like she just well, yeah, there was something but... wrong with her that caused it to happen. But it, like, it's not like she yeah. meant for that to happen. And I think they didn't have the medicine that we have today for epilepsy. That really well, yeah. Well, when she helped. was taking medicine, medicine and her medicine wasn't working. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just a really poor case that was re- dealt with really very poorly. Very poorly. Yeah. So it makes me very Bad things sad. occurred. Yeah. It just makes me sad for the poor girl. Yeah. All right, guys. I mean, I guess some, like, takeaways here. Definitely do your research before you go yeah, like with the occult. It's completely fine to believe in the occult and demons and being possessed and all of that. But make sure that there's no... 
Like, if you are concerned about yourself or somebody else, make sure that there's no medical reason that something could be happening. Yeah. Like, sure, you played with a Ouija board and something happened after that, and now you think you're possessed, but go to a doctor, see if something's, like, going on with you before you perform exorcisms or anything like that. And I guess another thing to take away is, like, do your research before, you know, it's all fun and games to go play with a Ouija board, you know, do all of that. But, like, do know that there can be, like, repercussions there, you know. Even if you don't believe in it, do the research just to be safe, just in case. Yeah. And, you know, always, you know, watch out for yourself, watch out for your friends, and just be smart about it. You can dabble in the occult, I don't care. You could be a Satanist, an atheist, a Catholic, pagan, Wiccan, I don't care. Just be safe about it. One of our episodes coming back and half of it is lecture. <laughs> yeah. Be safe, children and adults, okay? Dabble with demons, whatever. But be safe about it. it, yeah. Okay, right. we love you guys. We'll come back some other time. We'll watch Veronica at some point. Maybe if we can find... What? Probably tonight, yeah. <laughs> Maybe if we find the exorcism of Emily Rose, we can watch that too. All right. Your friendly mom talk is over. Be safe. Bye! Bye.